0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Uh, I'm really glad to have all of you tonight. I want to thank God that I'm an American, live in this great country. We do live in the greatest country in the world. We're truly blessed, privileged to live in the kind of freedom and experience the kind of pursuit that we have as Americans, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and we are are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, that all men are created equal. I'm grateful to God to live in a country founded upon biblical principles, and we must remember that. You know, something that they have taken out of our history books, unfortunately, was on the day that the Declaration of Independence was signed by 56 signers. July 4th, 1776, there was also a rally call, a rally cry that day, where they had refused the kingship of King George, who had imposed upon the people taxation without representation. And that day, they all rallied around this cry No king but King Jesus. No king but King Jesus. Come on, can we just kind of resurrect that for just a moment? No king but King Jesus. No king, but King Jesus. And uh, so, how many of you read that in your history books, though? Yeah, I did not think so. But, but regardless, it is history. And it is our history. No matter what those who are trying to change our history say, we are a country founded upon Christian principles. Amen. And I'm grateful to God for that. We are a Christian nation. But even more than that, I'm very blessed to be a member of the family of God and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven because this earth is going to pass away, but the word of God remains forever and heaven is forever and our abode with him is forever. Thank God for that. So we have a greater thing that we're looking forward to, a greater reality as believers, as Christians, as children of God that's beyond these Temporal circumstances and things that we face in life. Can I just remind you tonight that your trouble is temporary? All right. That's that's the biggest weakness of, of the troubles that we go through in life. They're all temporary. But the word of God stands forever. And God is on your side forever. And God loves you forever. Amen. And so he always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and he always leads us in triumph. So you can know that no matter what difficulties you may be facing now, God has a victorious end for whatever that may be, all right? For whatever circumstance you find yourself in. And the book of Revelation teaches us God's ultimate plan for the final victory. Amen. This is not a doom and gloom book. This is a victorious book, all right? There are some who would like to pull out verses of Scripture and make this thing weird and kooky and make predictions. They make predictions every year, all right? They, they read the heavens, and there's, you know, we've got this sign, this sign, this sign, this sign. I all those things are interesting. I will say, I think, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God, the Scripture says, and so we understand that there is some truth in that, but when they start making predictions and dates, setting dates that's when it gets kooky, all right? Jesus doesn't even know the date. How can any person on planet Earth do, I know, I know. Well, Nostradamus said it, so what? Think he knows more than Jesus does? He doesn't even know the day he's coming back. But we are seeing through the signs of the times that we are nearing. You know, we're, we're, we are closer now, even, even in, in the book of Acts, when the disciples were, you know, the church was launching and and exploding in growth, the very infant stages, that even during that time, those times were called the last days. Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days. So we are at least a day, (laughs) we are more closer to the last day than they were. And there is a last day coming, and the book Revelation shows us that. But really, let me just remind you tonight that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the end times, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the things that are in this book, the typologies, the, the, the uh, allegories, the, the, the symbols, and all those kinds of things are all revealing to us some aspect of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's remember that. This is really about the person of the Lord, all right? And uh, because, you know, people can take stuff out of context and, you know, and behold, a pale horse. And he who sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. Repent! You know, just trying to take scriptures and scare the hell out of people. But that's not the point of this. That's not the point of it. This is a book to encourage all of us. Remember who wrote this? This is the, this is the Apostle John. Let's look, at, let's look at this for just a moment. If you would, let's go to, um, let's see, Revelation chapter 1. But I'm going to just, the author of Revelation is, is none other than John the Beloved. John who wrote the Gospel of John, who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then Revelation. And at this time, he had been exiled to the island of Patmos, which is basically a a prisoner's uh, abode where they busted rocks. It was a big rock quarry there, and and so I'm not sure if John was doing that. He was an old man at this point, but he had been exiled there and uh, basically ostracized from society, and so four times throughout this book, his name is mentioned, so we know that the author is is certainly John, and uh, the, the title of this book, Revelation, comes from the Greek word apocalypse or apocalypto. Uh, which refers to just an unveiling or a disclosure of something yet unknown. And uh, so it's, that title is certainly appropriate for this book. And uh, so the Apostle John writes this somewhere around A.D., 95, scholars even go back all the way to 65. I don't think it was that early. I think it was after uh, the fall of Jerusalem, but he's an old man at this point, and, uh, and he addressed addresses his work uh, to seven Asian churches, and these are all mentioned here, the Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, because uh, John worked in Ephesus for many of his later years in life and probably oversaw all of those other churches as well. And so they received a message directed to them in chapters 2 and 3 to, You know, to the angel of the church of, of Ephesus, to the angel of the church of Laodicea. And so the Lord would, would talk to them about their work, their specific thing that he brought out, something that was really good about them, and then something that they needed correction in. And, uh, but let's, let's look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place, and he sent and signified it. By his angel to his servant John. So God told Jesus, Jesus told this angel, and this angel went and told John. Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Did you see that? Who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. So what's the point of this book? To bring witness to the word of God and testimony of Jesus Christ. All right, Blessed is he who reads... And those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. I'm grateful to God that it didn't say, is he who understands this book. It says, Blessed is he who reads. So you get a blessing from reading it. Thank God you don't have to understand it to get the blessing. Because you go through here and you go, okay. Now there's all these experts on it. And I say that on, quote, unquote, on purpose because they just come and go and they write their books and they sell their books and their predictions come and go. I don't, y'all remember 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988? I mean, people were buying that book. You couldn't buy it anywhere. Were, it was flying off the shelf. And guess what? He was wrong. And the next year, he wrote 89 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 89 and people went out and bought that kook's book. Like, are you people... Yeah, Jesus called us sheep for a reason, didn't he? <laughs> Verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Okay, right there. Oh, what? what? Seven spirits before his throne. What the heck is that? I like it, though. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Watch this. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us. Is that us? Is the us that he's speaking of right here us also in this room? Anybody understand today that he loves you? Okay, okay, so we're in this crowd, aren't we? And washed us from our sins in his own blood. Is that us that's here in chapter 1, verse 5, the same us that's sitting in this room tonight? How many of you have been washed Huh? by his blood? Your sins have been washed away from you? Thank the Lord for that. And made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord. Who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. I love the way that opens up. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who was, who is, and who is to come. You can know this, that Jesus in your beginning is not the only experience that you get with Him. He's with you till the final end. Hallelujah. I am the beginning and I am the end. He who began a work in you, He will be faithful to complete it. To the day of our, until the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have started something, but you didn't complete it? Hmm? Yeah. That's why I got married, so she would help remind me I needed to complete a few projects. You going <clears> to <throat> get that done, honey? Yeah, I was real excited about it about 10 days ago. <laughs> I'm grateful that God finishes what he starts let's look at chapter 2. I want to, I want to, we're going to, this is where we're going to pick up our memento tonight, to take into our, our own lives and to learn this lesson from this letter to the church of Ephesus. To the angel, actually, to the angel or the messenger. Really, this is to the leader or the pastor of the church, okay? To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. See, isn't that interesting? He holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven gold lampstands. Now, he's going to explain what that is. I know your works, your labor, your patience. Let's say that part together. I know your works, your labor, your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name'sake, and have not become weary. So far, so good, right? Right? Jesus is speaking to this church. I know your work, your labor, your patience. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Now, all those things, it seems like their work, their labor, and their patience are all attributes of love. But there is a possibility, there's a way then to be laboring, to be working, to be persevering for all the wrong reasons. And if it's not love that's motivating it, then it's pointless. Paul said that if I, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and don't have love, I'm like a clanging cymbal. I'm just, I'm just making noise. I could give my body to be burned and Give all my goods to the poor. And if I don't have love, that doesn't profit me anything. So all those are attributes of love. But if love isn't the driving force, more than likely those things are to simply be seen by men to see how many likes they can get on their Instagram. (laughs) Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen did you see that he says you've left your first love that means he says you've fallen huh so there's a there's a higher place that they were at at one point but they fell from that place repent and do the first works Well, what the heck is that the first work or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent whoa Okay, so then later on he describes that these stars in Jesus' hand are the leaders of those churches and the lampstands are the churches themselves. And what he's saying is if you're going to continue to operate the way you're operating, I'm going to take your influence from you. Because this is not the message I want to be delivered to the world, to the community that you're in. Your work and labor and patience are not any, they're nothing if love isn't the motivating fact. Let's, 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 we're going to parallel that with another scripture for just a moment. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And Paul says, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Watch this. Remembering without ceasing your work, what? Of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Whoa. Now here he just mentions work and same order work, labor, patience. But if it's a work of faith, and if it's a labor of love, and it's a patience of hope, then this is what God's looking for. All right? All the reasons why we do what we do. All right? And now abide, faith, hope, and love, these three. So he's saying this is the essence, but the greatest of these, obviously, is love. Your work of faith, your labor. So this is the first work, that it's a work of faith, that it's a labor of love, and that it is a patience of hope. Why? Well, i got to persevere. But why are you persevering? Just to show that you're persevering or because you have hope? Hmm? You have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a work of faith. We're not working, uh, performing for God, because if you're working, then you don't get grace. Because grace comes to you apart from works. Grace comes by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So we can't work for grace. We have to faith for grace. So we continue in the work of faith. That is to continue to believe God, to take Him at His word, to confess His word, to walk by faith, all right? Not striving through man-made religious uh, gyrations and, and, and jumping through hoops. All that's nonsense, all right? We, it's a work of faith. It's a labor of love. We're not just trying to get noticed by God or other people. We're doing this because love is the motivating factor. because we love him. More importantly, because he loves us. He says, you've left your first love. We don't, we're not the first love. He's the first love. We didn't know love until he first loved us. As John said over in one of his other epistles, "In this is love, not that we love God, but that he first loved us. So what he's saying is somewhere along the way, guys, you got off course. Somewhere along the way, you stopped flowing out of my love for you, and you made this about what you're doing, your work and your patience and your labor. If you'll come back up to here and let me love and let that flow through you, now we're going to make a difference in the world. Amen. It is the work of faith, the labor of love, and the patience of hope. All right? Praise God. We've got to continue. So why is Revelation so important? Why is this book important for us today? It provides the clearest biblical portrait, uh, no doubt, of the events of the tribulation that is to come, dealing with the specifics of that terrible time. And you can read from chapter 4 through chapter 18 all of those events in detail. It will be a time of judgment, a time when those left on the earth after the rapture will suffer deeply for their unbelief. And so John pictured this judgment as a series of 21 events. The first seven are the breaking of the seven seals. And this is where only one could break the seven seals. Only one was worthy to do it, and that was the lamb that was slain. That was Jesus himself. The blowing of the seven trumpets, and then the pouring out of the seven bowls. And all these were were demonstrations of judgment and wrath. Now, this is not the wrath of God the Father. This is the wrath of the Lamb. Remember, God's wrath was all totally satisfied in His Son. God's wrath towards sin, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. In other words, you know what that means? That God now has embraced the entire world to Himself through the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son. God is not angry at this world. God is not angry at people in this world. He's looking at a reconciled world because he believes in the work of his son fully. But Jesus, as he's seated on that mercy seat, on the throne of grace, at the right hand of the Father, is at this time storing up wrath. Now, he's not expressing that wrath. He's simply storing it up. But he's seated on that mercy seat. When he came up to heaven, he brought an offering of his own blood, and he poured it on that mercy seat, and he turned around and sat down. In that blood. Remember, that's why later on in Revelation chapter 19 it talks about Jesus' vesture, his robe is dipped in blood. Because he's seated there in his blood. And so, but that blood is thank oh, thank God. That blood is speaking on our behalf today. Better things than that of Abel. Remember what Abel's blood cried out, right? Avenge me. I've, this is injustice. The innocent has died. But when the innocent Lamb of God, the sinless man, Jesus Christ, died, his blood didn't say avenge me. His blood said forgive. Forgive them. But there is coming a time when his blood must be avenged. And that's when this day of grace comes to an end. When the Gentile church, when God's heart gets satisfied with as many people, as what, however that, only he can determine how many that is. How many souls was Jesus' sacrifice worth? Can you put a number on that? Only the Father can do that. So when he, that time comes, and, and he comes, and, and we're raptured out of here, we're taken out of here, then all the, 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 the events begin to turn. When the church and the Holy Spirit, which is resisting the full manifestation of the Antichrist, once we're taken out of the way, evil is going to run rampant in the earth. It's going to be a very quick work in the earth. All right. So, once that happens, then um, we understand that the wrath of the Lamb is going to be begin to be demonstrated in the earth. All right, those who have rejected His blood sacrifice, rejected the Son, that's it's not it's not going to go well at all. The grand judgment on the sinfulness of humanity, and it shows the seriousness um, with which God views sin, especially. the sin of rejecting His Son, the sin of unbelief. So the book of Revelation offers many details on the tribulation. They're often cloaked in the mystery of symbolic language, and uh, the final four chapters dictate, though, the overall message of the book, and that's chapters 19 through 22. And it portrays Christ's future triumph over the forces of evil and His recreation of heaven and earth uh, for the redeemed, and ultimately... Uh, the book and the world end in a final victory for truth and goodness and all things that are beautiful. So for the bulk of it, 66 books, and we've just done snapshots, you know. Can you believe we're on the final one tonight? You know, I looked, I was like, when did we start this? Because we did take a break for a while, I didn't didn't stay in it, but it was June 1st, 2014 (laughs) (laughs) that we started in Genesis. It's been a while. Or as uh, Belita says, it's been a minute. For the, uh, so it, it, it portrays a world that is deep in the throes of suffering. When it starts off, you know, when human beings have had a problem with sin since the fall mentioned in Genesis chapter 3, and verse after verse has recorded our problem in painstaking details at times. The brilliance of Revelation is that it provides a final answer to this problem, and a hope that Jesus will once and for all heal the wounds wrought by sin. And and Revelation chapter 19 really shows us that, and then his reign for a thousand years on the earth in Revelation 20, and then he recreates the world into a place that represents God's original design in Revelation 21 and 22. So the Bible's narrative is, is a simple one. It's, it's creation, it's the fall, it's redemption, and then recreation. And without the completion of the redeeming work of Jesus recorded in Revelation, we wouldn't have the end of the story. Uh, we would be left with uncertainty, not knowing what the future holds for us. But thank God for this book. That shows us, in the end, we win. Praise God. I like the old saying that I used to hear up the old-time preachers say, I've read the back of the book, and we win. <laughs> Amen. Let's look at Revelation chapter 21, and let's take a peek at this for just a moment. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, tear from their eyes you know what that means he's going to remove every reason for crying every reason for sadness Hmm, thank you lord for that there shall be no more death well there's a good reason taken out of the way no more sorrow thank you lord nor crying there shall be no more pain oh thank you lord for that for the former things have passed away Oh, heaven is going to be wonderful. Hey, get, I don't know, maybe you've had this in your head before, but I used to think heaven was like just one long church service. I'm just thinking, how long can we have church up there? Seriously. It's so much more than that. We have no idea what's in store for us, but we can know this. It sure is good. It's good. Then he sat. He who sat, and watch this, he who sat on the throne said, now this is the hope, my family. Behold, I make all things new. Jesus is not in the refurbishing business. He's not just going to dress up old things. He is going to make all things new. Praise the Lord. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha. Here he is again toward the end of the book. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Oh, thank the Lord for that. Don't you love how inviting God is and how easy he is to approach? How wonderfully, even in this apocalyptic book, we have him saying, if you're thirsty, I got something for you and it's free. I'll be in your beginning. I'll be in your end. I'll be in all your in between. Praise the Lord, because He is the love that has no end. And so I want to encourage you to not not be discouraged by this book, especially you know. And I do encourage you to read it and to you know look into it. But remember, you have to look at this book through our New Testament reality. All right, because when you read it, you think you've, you've almost feel like you've gone back to the old covenant again. You know. But you have to remember, this era, this time is different than our time. Remember, the church is gone, right? This day of grace has been come to an end. God has to still finish His work with His people, with the Jewish nation. And most of this has to do, much of this has to do with them. And and so that's why there's been so much misunderstanding with the Gentile church when it comes to revolution, re- revolution to re- revolution, really, to, to revelation, because it's it's really out of our scope, it's out of our time frame, and so there's just been a lot of, uh, of assumptions being made and people drawing the wrong conclusions. You got to remember that we have a new covenant, praise God, a better covenant, and these things will not be our reality. Don't forget that when Jesus Christ returns, we're coming back with Him, which means we have to precede that second coming. We have to go there to meet the Lord in the air, as Paul taught us in Thessalonians, but then there's a time when He comes, we're coming back with Him. Thank the Lord. Let's look at that for just a moment, and then I'll close this out. Are you okay? Look at Revelation chapter 19. Now, I don't know what you came expecting here tonight. I don't know if you wanted me to unleash all the seals and and bowls and all that, but uh, that's not going to happen. Because, yeah. Verse 11, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I, I will say, I did get caught up in this, in eschatology for a number of years. You can ask my wife. Uh, I think she was a little concerned about me. Um, in, uh, in around 1998, I had heard this, um, this Jewish rabbi bring this whole teaching about Prince Charles of Wales being the Antichrist. And I bought it hook, line, and sinker. I mean, I did, I was like, Every bit of that makes sense. His name in the Hebrew alphabet. Charles Prince of Wales equals 666. I mean, it was just like all this stuff. I was like, this is it. This guy knows. <laughs> Did, didn't I, didn't I think that? And well, I I would listen to this tape over and over again. And then I would just go like tell people. I'm telling you, I was lost in it. Thank you, Lord, for the rain. But then I figure something out. The only real thing that we know, the the real truth that we have, the thing that we should be declaring Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will live forever. Hallelujah. That's the news that we need to be preaching. If Charles, Prince of Wales, is the Antichrist, who gives a flip? I wouldn't be surprised if he was, but I mean, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I really am. Lord, blessing, But that's not the stuff to get caught up in. Thank God I wouldn't pastor in a church there. I would have destroyed a whole community. But anyway, <laughs> Revelation chapter 19, verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. Hang on a second. I'm in King James. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. See, that's where it is because he's seated in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, who's that? See, there we are. The armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Praise God. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now see, this is a a Jesus that you don't know. This is something about him that you don't know about. You know him as your Redeemer, as your Savior. And you're always going to know him as that. But those that are going to be on the other side, here on the earth that he comes to make war with, they're going to see the fierceness of the wrath of God. Thank God you've already been rescued from that forever. Thank the Lord for that, huh? And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Thank you, Lord. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he really wants us to understand. I think he likes the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords because he had it on his robe and on his thigh. He has it on his robe and on this thing? I'm not promoting tattoos, but Jesus might be. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, one last scripture and then we're done. Let's stand. I want to read these. We can stand together. And I want you to just catch this because I feel like this is the very last chapter and I feel like Jesus has an urgency about him in this last chapter. And I just want us to see three different times what he says here in this last chapter. It's like, he's, like he can't wait. He can't wait to come and see us. He can't wait to bring us home. He can't wait to, to receive the fullness of the reward of his sacrifice. Now watch this. Look at ver- chapter 22, verse 7. Revelation 22, verse 7. Behold, I am coming how? Quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Look at verse 12 and 13. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Verse 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Here he is again. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's beautiful, isn't it? And then lastly, chap- uh, verses 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Even, amen, even so, this is John's response, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen, amen. hallelujah, Can, don't you love this, you really just sense his love and this, he's longing for that day just like we're longing for that day to embrace him and to be with him forever and ever, I'm coming quickly, well his quickly and our quickly is a little bit different because that's been 2,000 years ago but he knows what's up, alright, <laughs> so we trust him and. Compared to eternity, it's very quick. Amen. And we we'll just lift our hands to heaven for just a moment. Can we just, just bless the Lord tonight? Bless the Alpha and the Omega. Bless the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Thinking that He's there in your beginning, He's there in your end. Which means right now, He's with you in your in-between. Hallelujah. From where you started to where you will end up, He is with you right now. He's a very present help in time of trouble, in time of need. Just know that. Just look to Him. And He has a victorious end for you. He's able to make all things work together for good. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You for that. You are good and You do good. Thank You that You brought us out of darkness and You brought us into Your marvelous light. Thank You for saving us, Lord. And Lord, help us to remember, Lord, to to spread this good news because there are those that are out there that are lost and wondering, that are hopeless. And Father God, we have a message we carry a message, Lord, in us, and it is the gospel. And that gospel is the power of God, the salvation to everyone who believes. That we'll just be faithful to declare your good news, God. and if, Because if, if we'll say it, if we'll declare it, God, they can hear it. And if they can hear it, there's the moment that they can believe. And if they'll believe, Lord, then they can call on you. And if they'll call on you, they will be saved. Hallelujah. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you for the weight, that uh, that is the power that is in your message. The weight's not on us to save people. Your gospel saves people. We just declare that gospel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, I thank you that you bless your people as they leave here tonight. I thank you that you watch over them as they drive home in this rain, that you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all of their ways in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.